0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and coverage match limited by state law 17 weeks, 4 quarters, 60 minutes And it all
1: leads up to one Winning Winning Drive Hello everybody, welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast I'm Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick Co-host of Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. We hope that you guys enjoyed your bye week as it was, I like to call, sucker-free Sunday or stress-free Sunday. But back to business, it appears. The Ravens will be back this week to practice and get ready for their final stretch uh, against these tough opponents uh, coming up. So currently, right now, after the bye week, Miami holds the number one seed because they have a better conference record of two losses as opposed to the Ravens' three conference losses. Um, But they got a lot of help over the weekend, Cordell. The Steelers lost to the Cardinals. The Browns lost to the Rams. So that takes them one game down. Uh, we have yet known to what is going to happen with the Bengals outcome, but the Chiefs, who was also in the running for the top seed, lost to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. So uh the Ravens have a tough stretch coming up, but also they have three conference losses. Every single loss that they had came from the AFC. So when you look at this schedule and you look that they only have two NFC teams left to my knowledge, Cordell, which is the Rams and the 49ers. Do you think that the Ravens have a chance to get a top seed and what needs to happen in order for them to get it? By the way, they they do play Miami, who currently has the one seed.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely have a chance. Like you mentioned right there, they play the team that that's sitting up there. They play the Jags who also will be, you know, potentially sitting in front of them depending on what happens, um, this week. So, yeah, I mean, I I do think they have a chance. I think it's a crapshoot for any of these teams right now. I mean, the AFC um it changes by the day, and the Chiefs are starting to kind of show, you know, that they are human um, with some of these late game type of things that are I think coming back to bite them. um But yeah, I think the Ravens are good enough to beat any team that they play. obviously the one against the Niners is going to be super tough. But like you said, that's an NFC game. You love that. Um, But ultimately, we're getting to that time of year where you don't want to lose any games right now. Everybody's in the thick of the playoff race. um, And a simple loss could really uh, weigh a lot when it comes to not only seeding, but just your spot in the postseason around this time of year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Ravens are good enough. To play with anybody good enough to beat anybody, um, will they do it? Is another question. I mean, they—you can make the argument everybody that they've lost to—they're better than. Um, so it does them being better than teams really doesn't mean anything. It it just really Correct. boils down to who who's going to get it done on game day and, and who's going to be able to go out there and you know make the winning plays when it counts.
1: I have an unpopular opinion that I'd like to share with you. And I'd like to share with the listeners of the podcast. Cool. I am not pressed that the Ravens get a number one seed. In fact, I'm not sure I want them to get a top seed, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. I mean, Mm -hmm. it does. Yes. Does it mean that you get playoffs, that you get the the entirety of the playoffs with a number one seed? Sure. The bye week is where I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. if they get it they get it if they don't they don't this is why the ravens have an extremely late bye, uh you know the first week in december and to the point where i just kept forgetting that they did not have a bye court now mm-hmm. i literally just kept saying why do y'all keep saying the net braves are at number one see you know and i oh yeah because they had more wins because their bye isn't until december so they only have five games remaining okay whereas everybody else has you know, numerous games remaining. My concern is, is that having another buy in such short timing could affect, to me, how they go into the playoffs. I think that if your momentum is high, having a buy is probably not something that you want. And I say this maybe as an Orioles fan, potentially, because we saw the Orioles have a little bit of rest because of wildcard weekend, and then they got swept, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very possible that I am using this logic because I saw this happen in baseball and it didn't bode too well for the teams that didn't play wild card weekend. Uh, But ultimately, I just feel like if you only got five games remaining, having another bye week, is that going to – obviously it helps if you got guys that are injured, right? It clearly helps those guys try to get better um, and then they have an extra week off. But for me, if you're driving with momentum with the schedule that the Ravens are having, my concern is is that it messes up the, the momentum. And I don't know if it's necessary because you had such a lay by to begin with. I could be wrong. Again, this is an unpopular opinion. I understand everybody wants the one seed. I understand that you want the entire uh playoffs at MT Bank Stadium. Completely understand. I would love it too. But I'm I'm used to the Ravens not having playoff games at home. So that doesn't bother me. Uh they tend to have played better, better on the road. Um, When they've had playoff games, even their last playoff game with Lamar playing uh, against the Titans was away at Tennessee. So I I just, you know, I am very indifferent about this number one seed. I don't expect people to agree with me. I just feel that, you know, having such a late bye means that you really don't have a need to have another bye less than six weeks later. That's just where I stand. I just think if the Raven- the Ravens are good enough to play with anybody, whether it's home, away, whatever. I don't I don't really care. So for me, it doesn't, it's just only for selfish reasons we want the 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 number one seed, which is com- completely okay with me, right? I'm completely okay with people wanting to have a home game, which you'll get if the Ravens win the division anyway. Um, but I, I just don't I I don't care enough about the one seed so, like everybody else. I mean,
0: does. I definitely can see what you're saying, and uh I agree with the notion of you don't you don't know how the buy is going to affect you as a team. Um, you can go back to 2019. I know nobody likes to go back then, but they had the buy that year too, yep. and came out very flat yep. uh, in the loss against the Titans. And that is a true concern. Um, I would I guess on the flip side, uh A, this is a team that they have a lot of veterans. They um, do, and that's fair. team. And and they, they do have a lot of guys that are playing through injuries. So just how we all thought that this bye week may be too late, it ended up coming right on time. Maybe that's another situation. You know, they get the bye week going into the playoffs. If they do get the one seed, they I'm sure they're not gonna be upset about an extra week of rest. Ronnie Stanley isn't gonna complain about an extra week of rest. He's one of many that may not. Um, but I'll also say when it comes to the home field, I, I agree. I think the Ravens can win anywhere. I mean, historically, the Ravens have shown that when they're on the road in the postseason, that's when they're probably at their most dangerous. Um, I would just say that in certain matchups, like a possible matchup against Miami, you would much rather get Miami and Baltimore and have them oh, have to sure. come out here and deal with that cold weather and everything than. Going to Miami and playing, they're a different beast at home. Um, I think, I don't think Miami is the same type of team when they're playing quality opponents to begin with. But when you get them to go on the road, especially to cold weather cities, they just aren't the same type of team. Um, they're the only ones, honestly, in the AFC that I look at and say, ah, I probably don't want to go there. I mean, Kansas city obviously is another one. I still want to put respect on their name because until somebody dethrones them, they are the champs. Um, but I think the Ravens could go to Kansas city and beat them the similar, same way that Cincinnati did a couple of years ago. I think the Ravens could beat them at home as well, but Miami is the only team in the AFC where I would be a little a, a little hesitant to have to go there to play them, just because it, you know, they they are they're a tough team to deal with, regardless. But. Um, you 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 feel much better when you can get them at home. But I agree. I mean, I don't know how the bye week would. We've seen by you mentioned the Orioles. We've seen a bunch of different teams be affected by the bye weeks differently. Some teams I, like Kansas I completely took the 2019
1: Ravens out of my memory. Cordell. Yeah, I mean,
0: so you reminded me. Yeah, that how that the team, line week went right. That that team definitely comes to mind. But like I said, I mean, it is teams that do good with the bye week. But I ultimately, look either. You you got to win at that time of the year. Whether you get a bye week, whether you don't, whether you got to go for on the sure. road, whether you got to play at home, Every, I, I kind of throw that stuff out the window. I don't usually give passes. It's okay to acknowledge it, uh, like with you mentioned the Orioles. Like it's okay to acknowledge it, but in no way do I give the O's a pass for getting swept because they got extra rest. Like no, it, I'm not going to shed any tears for you. So, um, yeah, I mean it is everything's got a pro and a con, and I don't I don't really think this is any different.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Again, I don't expect everybody to agree with me on that. And, you know, it's just a theory that I have personally. Um, While, of course, I would love to see the Ravens. I don't think I'm having this conversation that they had uh, there by a month ago. I think I'm having a completely different conversation. Um, But I just I just hope that with the gauntlet of games that they have coming up, if they're able to at least come out three and two. Or, or better than I feel like, you know, you got to just keep the ball going, keep the ball rolling. And, you know, that's that's just kind of where I, I am with that. Um, we'll talk more about what the Ravens are doing on offense when we come back here on winning drive. So I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm sure a lot of you did, because I definitely was one of them. But Keaton Mitchell was the starter for the Ravens uh, during the Chargers game. Uh, We didn't see Gus for a couple of series uh, after that, but Keaton has obviously elevated his his role into this offense. Um, What do you foresee as Keaton Mitchell being the starter? Do you think that this is a good idea? Do you think that they should be more even killed in terms of carries? He and Gus sprinkled Justice Hill in. What is it about this? Or or do you think that Gus deserves to continue to be the starter? Or do you think that this is a situation where just depends on the matchup, depends on who's the starter?
0: Yeah, I I think that's how they're going to approach it. I think that they're going to treat this as matchup based. I I think, uh, to be honest, I don't think it really matters who starts. Um, I think when you look at it at the end of the day, Keaton Mitchell finished with, I think, uh, 12 total touch, 11 total touches in the game. Maybe I think it was 11 total touches, nine carries and two, two catches. Gus is right there behind him with nine touches. And then I think justice Hill has six touches in the game. I mean, I I think that's the type of balance you're going to get. I think everybody's looking for Keaton Mitchell to get more opportunities and he should, um, but we've seen in the past with the Ravens that, you know, just because we believe people should get more opportunities doesn't mean that they will. How many years were people wondering when J.K. Dobbins was going to get more than 15 carries, you know, and then he finally does and he cap him at 18 or 19, whatever the number was, He okay. doesn't really get much further than that. Um, and that was in a run heavy offense, you know. And so I look at it even similarly right now. And it's good that Keaton Mitchell is a has shown himself to be an efficient back. He he gets he he finds ways to um get big plays out of his limited opportunities, and I think that's going to be the case for him. I don't think it'll ever be a situation to where people are truly satisfied with how much he gets the ball, because yeah. just like how we talk about in the past game. There's only one ball. Lamar's got to get his carries. Gus has got to get his carries. They're still finding ways to put Justice Hill out there. Zay is getting uh, in the round carries. I mean, this is is the reality. Um, So Keaton, as dynamic as he has shown himself to be, I don't know if we'll see Keaton be a guy that's consistently getting over 12 touches. I honestly don't. Um, And that's not to take away from what he can do or what he has done. I'm just going off of the way that the Ravens have, A, historically handled these backs, um, and B, just what they've done just this season alone. Even in the Chargers game where he started, I think that they felt like his style of play was more beneficial to their game plan against the Chargers than Gus was. I mean, it took a while for Gus to even get in the game to the point to where people were wondering if Gus was being punished for something. So um, I, I don't I don't think that Keaton will just be the workhorse back. I don't think that's the way the Ravens will go about it with any of these guys. Um, but I'm still looking at Gus for short yardage, still looking at Gus for red zone. And Gus has shown himself to be able to make some plays in the passing game as well. Obviously, Keaton has a higher ceiling when it right. comes to catching the check downs. Um, but with Keaton, I think it's going to come down to can he pass protect can, to keep him in the game on third downs? Um, do they trust that he knows his assignments thoroughly? Um, yeah. Because Harv's has said in the past, they have to kind of train themselves to, talk, to start trusting this young guy because they don't know how much he can handle. He wasn't there for the back end of training camp and stuff and, or the back end of preseason because he got hurt in a Washington game. He missed pretty much the whole first half of the season. Um, so, I just think it's a lot of combinating factors that are uh, going to contribute to the decision of how much Keaton plays. But ultimately, I think it's going to be even across the board.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think that finding a way to make sure that the young man can pass protect is something that they're going to be watching because at times he's missed some assignments. And I think that that's normal. I mean, he's a rookie, he's still figuring things out. Um, and I think that the matchups, do matter right I guess they felt like for the Chargers game they felt like he should have started um, I definitely think that Gus is the guy that by any, I, I still don't think Gus, he should always be the starter to me. I don't care if Keaton ends up getting more carries. Gus should be the starter. He's earned that. Financially, mm-hmm. he's earned that right. Um, Carry wise, he's earned that right. Because all Gus Edwards got to do is lean forward. He's going to give you four or right. five yards. It, he don't have to do much. It won't even require a lot of effort from him. You know what I'm saying? But that's the type of guy that he is. That's the type of player that he is. And that's extremely important to have, you know, in certain situations. So, you know, I, I have no problem with Keaton Mitchell getting increased carries. I think that he's earned the right to get increased carries. I think that he's done a really good job with the the, the, the load that he's gotten. Um, but. I also think that there is absolutely a time and place for Gus. And I agree with you, obviously, the red zone, short yardage situations. But <laughs> Gus can still, you know, Gus, we know he can do in pass protection. We know that Gus can, you know, catch the ball too out of the backfield. We've seen long plays from Gus coming, you know, catching the ball was mm-hmm. possible. Um, but this is obviously what they wanted, I think, with J.K., you know, what, what they got with Keaton Mitchell, which is a nice um, mix in terms of running backs. They got the big bruiser. They got the guy that's just going to go straight. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going to do no East and West. He's going to go straight forward. You're going to get what you're going to get from that. Or you got the guy that's more elusive, that can make guys miss That 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 what they wanted J.K. to do and, like you said, potentially catch passes out the backfield. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely don't have an issue with – I still think that Gus should be the starter. Named as a starter because I think he's earned that right. But I also don't have an issue with Keith Mitchell if he ends up getting more carries because if the game says that this is his type of game, then you got to give it to him. You know what I mean? You got to go with the hot hand. Um, But to me, this is just all formalities at this point. You know, when you start looking at their carries, it's not like, oh, Gus ended up having a whole lot less carries Mm -hmm. than Keith Mitchell, you know, and so forth and so on. This is just simply a formality. Who do they consider to be the guy that is better suited for the matchup in which they're playing? Doesn't mean that Gus by any means is not going to be a part of it. Although I still didn't like the fact that they waited so long to put him in that right. Chargers game. Yeah. Put him
0: in. And I didn't, I mean, they, they. it was times where they were using justice Hill and times where it's like, where right. is Gus? Yeah. Where, where's Gus at? But um, yeah, look, I, I don't really have an issue with it. Like you said, I, I don't mind. I honestly feel like Gus should probably be the starter as well, um but ultimately, I don't really care as long as they can accurately dictate the game flow if the game right. is if if the game flow is gone and and you see that Keaton is the hot guy, then you gotta ride the hot hand. I don't I, that's that's my only concern is if Keaton is hot, are they going to be able to go away from the veteran and Gus? And, and stick with Keaton if he's get having one of those games where he's getting like eight, nine yards a pop, are yeah. you going to stick with him or are you going to continue to go with just the person you feel more comfortable with And Gus and throwing him out there despite Keaton clearly showing you he's in a groove? That, that's my only issue. Just dictate the game flow properly.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And just, you know, for reference, even though Keaton was the starter, he had nine rushes last week in the Chargers game, and Gus had eight. So, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like, that. again, he's taking, like, a ton of carries off of him. Right. And I think that it's fair to acknowledge, too, you know, with Gus's injury history, you want to – not give him as much of a load that you'd like. It's nice to have a nice little bit of balance in between Mm -hmm. what they can do. And then they still have justice Hill if they need to. So um, again, I don't think that they're going to be like stealing a bunch of his carries to give to Keaton Mitchell. This is a team that runs the football. We know that they like to do that. So um, he's still going to get his, but I definitely think that this is all predicated on, um, what the matchups are and what they consider to be favorable. So we'll see. They play the Rams this weekend. We'll see, uh, you know, what they decide to do there because you got Aaron Donald on that front uh, front line for the defense of the Rams. You'll We'll see what they decide to do and what they consider to be the uh, best situation. When we come back, we'll talk about a potential addition to the Ravens. What do you guys think? We'll talk about that coming back from winning drive. So, of course, Cordell, everybody has heard now that Zach Ertz and the Cardinals have mutually parted ways. He is currently a free agent, and Zach Ertz is looking to, like anybody right now that's a free agent, I mean, this is not a crazy thing, looking to go to a contender. And, of course, one of the teams that was named, in addition to his old team, Philadelphia Eagles, were the Baltimore ravens so i uh i want to know do you think zach Ertz (laughs) would be a good pickup for the ravens or do they just stick with the guys that they currently have
0: um i don't think it would hurt um if you could get him for a nice some you know something obviously team favorable at this point in the year i'm sure is you don't have to break the bank to get him um but I don't think it would hurt to have some sort of depth uh, to to be able to have a, a veteran presence in the tight end room, a guy that's won a Super Bowl, a guy that's been the number one option. Um, well, uh, uh, maybe not the number one option, but definitely one of the top options in the offense. Um, Zach Ertz has got a couple of these. He's got what? Uh, one thousand yard season over eleven 1, hundred yards in twenty eighteen um for for Zach Kurtz, I mean, that that that's pretty good. Um, but this is a dude that has shown the ability to be relied on in an offense. Obviously, he's you know, he's a little far removed from that. Um, he's not that guy anymore, but I thought he was decent. Last year in Arizona, played in ten games, had four touchdowns, over four hundred yards receiving. A lot of the Arizona Cardinals guys' stats, receiving guys' stats, are going to be skewed because there's a time when Kyler Murray's there, and there's there's a large chunk of time where he's not. So it's tough to really go off of the numbers for a cup for quite a few of those guys out there. But all in all. Look, I, I don't think Zach. if the Ravens did bring Zach Ertz in, I don't think it's a situation where you're plugging and playing him over Isaiah. Likely, I don't think that'd be the case. I think Zach Ertz would just be a depth guy. He'd help you in the red zone, help you in short yardage, another quarterback-friendly guy that's working in the middle of the field. Um, how healthy he is is a big question as well because he's dealt with a lot of injury issues the last couple of years. But overall, I, I don't think it's a bad thing if they get Zach Ertz again for a team-friendly situation, um, and understanding that he's here for depth, not here to be Mark Andrews, right? I mean, I don't think, I I, I wouldn't put him in over Isaiah Likely over the depth chart. Now, Charlie Kohler, we'll see, you know, maybe,
1: maybe (laughs) there,
0: Um, but yeah, I I don't think this changes things for Isaiah Likely if you bring in Zacher.
1: Yeah, I'm indifferent about this. You know, if they do it, cool. If they don't, I don't really care. I mean, I don't think, like you said, this changes a whole needle if he does get oh. added to this roster. He's not going to uh, uh, to jump above Isaiah Likely, in my opinion, which is why I'm indifferent about it, right? Because if I don't think that he's better than the current guy that they have, then why, why am I pressed to have this? I think that we are enamored with Zach Ertz because we know his name. We know at one point he was an extremely dominant tight end. Um, but not, this is his 11th season, <laughs> you know, like, you know, he came out in 2013. So we have to be remembering uh, of the fact that, you know, he ain't no spring chicken. And yes, I agree with you that, you know, if you look at well, what he did in Arizona the past few years wasn't great because, you know, of, of the quarterback situation. I'm a little skewed about that. I agree, but also usually tight end is the, the guy that, that backup quarterbacks go to the most, right, to to kind of get things going. And y'all, look, he only played 10 games last year, um, only played seven games this year, so there's apparently been some type of injury things that's been going on. I, I, I'm with you from a depth perspective. I guess it makes sense, but if he doesn't sign here, do I feel some type of way? Do I think that's going to uh, lessen their chances of going to deep into the playoffs? No, (laughs) you know, because Mark Andrews is um, five years younger than him in terms of football years, five seasons younger than him. Um, So I just don't think that that's something that Zach Ertz is going to immediately come in and have some type of impact. Now I'm not going to, I do think that, him being the veteran that he is does have some type of impact to some degree, right? Like there are going to be some things that he can do that maybe Isaiah likely is not going to be able to do because, you know, just from an experience standpoint. But I also think that because Zach Ertz and Lamar haven't played together, that's a chemistry that would just have to be built as time goes on while they're on the field together. There's no chemistry that's really been built you know, in terms of like, there's no off season, no training camp, you know, none of those types of things. So that would be something that they would be learning on the fly in terms of their chemistry. Oh, but by the way, they got this big stretch coming down where you kind of really can't be in the position of trying to see what's going to work and what's not going to work. You got to kind of know when you look at the schedule that the Ravens have coming up. So um, if they get them cool, if not, I just, I want to feel some type of way about it, Cordell. I just don't. I, mean, I don't I don't,
0: just don't feel should. Yeah, I don't I feel like that should be everybody's philosophy towards this. I mean, at the end of the day, the Ravens are nine and three right now. Yeah, it's a devastating loss, losing Mark Andrews, but uh, losing Mark Andrews. But I think everybody knows that Isaiah likely can, you know, fill that void. And then you've got receivers as well. Um, I, I just my, I only I, like I said, I, I think everybody should, nobody should be losing sleep over Zach Ertz at this stage of his career. No, you know, nobody should be th- super upset if the Ravens don't get him. You also right. shouldn't throw a parade if you do get him. Um, I, I only at this time of year, especially this time of year, depth really matters and it's cool right now. Um, uh, but you got to think about the what ifs is my own would be my thought process when I look at Zach Ertz Again, this isn't somebody that I'm bringing in to build my offense around or save the day. Um, it's it's more so a depth guy. And, and when you talk about being a Super Bowl contending team, you're going to need people that have wandered those waters before and understand what it takes to play in that time of year and the toll it takes on your body and just the attention to detail and all of that stuff that, that you need to have late in January. So that would be my only thing. God forbid something happens to Likely or or Kohler and then boom, you, you know, Ertz is 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 a bonus. He, he's a bonus there. And if nothing happens to those guys, he's he's cool. He's he's there in case you need him, but again, I'm not I'm not beating on the table to sign him. Um I I just I would imagine that the Ravens are at least having conversations about him.
1: I'm sure. Um a question that It's kind of relatable since we're talking about the tight end position. What is your, do you think there's a reason why they have not promoted Travis Vokalek from the roster, the um, practice squad?
0: But I don't, I don't think that there is a dire need to do it right now. I mean, you got Patrick Ricard who basically can um, play that type of role as the third tight, essentially it's your third tight end, the blocking guy. Um, that's what Patrick Ricard does. Yep. Uh, I get it. They had three active tight ends before, you know, before Mark Andrews went down, but there were games where Kohler wasn't active and stuff yep. like that. So I think with Volkalec, it, it's just more so a thing where, you know, they're not in a position to where, where they feel like they need to put him out there um, or it's a situation where they feel like he could replace a Kohler or start eating into likely snaps. I, I think that, um, and John talked about this about a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, You know, it's not when you're on the practice squad, you don't really get a lot of time to really progress. You don't you don't really get that time to to really be a part of the game plan, to really be um, coached up to, to the point to where you're ready to go out there and play, especially for a guy in his position who's an undrafted free agent. So I just think it's tough. Um, right now, because in all honesty, he, you know, he may not even know everything that would be asked of him if he was to go into a real game right now, preseason and, and regular season games, as you know, are just two totally different. The game plans, the preparation, everything is so different. So I, you know, obviously the dude can play. We saw that in the preseason. But I, I just don't think that they feel like they need him right now. Yeah,
1: I think that, that makes sense. Like you said, having um, a guy like Pat Ricard, he who's already in the tight end room. Um, he told us that on the um, Tyus Bowser show that that's, you know, who he watches film with tight end. So he has a, a better understanding of what it is that they want to do anyway. Um, just doesn't make it a necessary need um, to bring up a guy like Vocalack. Obviously signing a guy like Ertz you're going to activate all three tight ends. I mean, or maybe Kolar probably finds his way being the odd man out in that regard. Um, but again, you know, wow. It's, it's a cool signing. You know, he has a lot of veteran presence. He can bring some experience to the table. I'm just indifferent about whether they should do it. or not. <laughs> I can't explain it. I'm just like, if they do great. If they don't, that's cool too. You know, I'm know. right
0: there. I'm right there.
1: You know, I don't know. All right. Um, on our next episode, Cordell, the Ravens will be hosting the 6-6 six and six Los Angeles Rams. They went from kind of almost being dead in the water to now potentially pushing for a playoff spot. We know that the Rams beat the Browns the other day. The Browns defense, man, I feel like they've kind of given up a little bit since um, Deshaun Watson has been out. I, don't, I mean, I could be wrong, but, I, you know, it just doesn't feel like the same defense. Um, it's, it's just
0: tough to defend when you know offensively. I mean, granted, and the Browns offensively had you know, Joe was throwing that rock around, yes, he was. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I just think for any side of the ball, it, it, it wears down on you after a while. You know, uh, you, you're carrying the load, you're really the team, especially as a defense. Because I think in the case of them, you they almost need to score for yeah. you know, they got to score points for them to really. Being it so as good as a defense as they are, it'll be tough for you to really see how good they are on a weekly basis because the offense doesn't help them out a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And uh, it definitely probably, like you said, it it has wear and tear on you. They've lost two straight at this point. Um, So they'll be reeling. But the the Rams did what they had to do to help the Ravens uh, keep their spot uh, atop the AFC North. So we'll be having a conversation about that matchup. What we expect to see, how we think that that will fare in a final score on our next segment. We want to thank you all for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive.